totally forgot about that. Doyle Carter will be will be talking about achieving spiritual maturity. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Greetings, everyone. I don't feel bad about the little flute paws or mistakes every now and then. I came up here, I was going to make a joke someone else did, but you know I do. I came here to check the church, and you know, I tend to, so I feel more comfortable, I practice up here, you don't know, maybe. I looked at the clock here, and it was an hour back, <laughs> so I, I cheated the speakers by pushing it back forward so we all go home on the right time. And I still missed one other clock, sorry, Lawrence. <laughs> Well, on that, let's get started. My title today is Achieving Spiritual Maturity. I'll be using primarily the King James Version, except for one verse, which I thought sounded better in the King James. It was inspired, this was kind of inspired by Ian, my little talk with Ian, and I'm not going into the discussion when we did that Sunday morning, but he said, made a comment that in this life, one of our purposes in this life is to spiritually mature. That's one, that's one reason God provides us what we do, that he does. And that's what we're going to go into today. So my first scripture, and I thought it was an interesting one to start with, would be what Paul made in 1 Corinthians 13.11. Paul states, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. When I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away the childish things. I think of this, this is very true, because as I, I remember me being 12 years old, and this will date me slightly. I used to ride bikes, carefree. Dad said someday I'd have to get a job. And over my head, whatever, I would get a job one day. My job was mowing the lawn. That's all I knew about. Didn't realize I'd support myself. I was watching a show called Battlestar Galactica. Loved it to death. Didn't think of the ramifications or the science or anything that went behind it. But as I got older, hit college, started learning, I realized I had to have a job. We're not going into that. It wasn't that hard, though. I found jobs I enjoyed, which is good. But I matured. I became the man that I was supposed to and got rid of all the, the items that I needed to get rid of in my life that were not supposed to be there. They were childish. I remember a man named Stan Hopper at the United Church of God made a similar comment. And I talked about TV and said his TV shows didn't even look, they look silly now. As he got older, they looked silly. Like, I was telling him how I liked the Rifleman. He went, I'm sorry, the Rifleman's a good premise and has good premises, but it just, it doesn't fit the same way as it used to back 40 or whatever number of years ago it was. Maybe one of y'all can tell me how old the wrong has been on. But Jesus Christ speaks in the same general vein of thought when he gives us a goal as well, which is the primary scripture. Matthew 5, 48. He tells us, Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as the Father in heaven is perfect. The Greek word, which I am not even going to attempt to pronounce, but the way the Strong's Concordance, I used the actual book this time. I didn't get the answer I wanted at Google, so I used the real, I used hard print book. Said that the word is spelled in English would be T-E-L-E-I-O-S. It means perfection, perfect, maturity, or full of age. And being mature is basically being mature. It'd be like, um, an analogy, be like having a tree seed and having it grow and mature into what it's supposed to, which would be a tree. You know, the whole 
or, an, or a little puppy, when you start training it, it matures into that, that dog that you can't live without because he's your best buddy and does what you tell him to do. Now, obviously, we're not perfect. First of all, I'm going to say that right now. And Christ was speaking spiritually. That's how I would take it. How do we achieve this? What's our part? I'm going to go to Solomon. Solomon actually, in the end of Ecclesiastes, in specifically Ecclesiastes 12, 13, he, he, after writing all his book, his conclusion was, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the all of man. So on a human level, that's how he viewed it, to fear God and keep his commandments. And to individually explore those a little bit, let's go into the fear of the Lord, fear of the Lord. In Proverbs, we learn something about the fear of the Lord and what it produces. And i am only picked one, and I'm sure you all can pick multiple scriptures saying the same thing. But in Proverbs 9.10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So that's what it does. It, it gives us the beginning of wisdom. As when I started keeping the faith, I probably had that fear of the Lord because I didn't understand the things I know about the law now, about all the stuff that why it was good for our lives. I just know God said, don't eat unclean meat. So I just went, okay, yes, sir. <laughs> I didn't question it. I did what he said. I mean, and, and it really helped. But, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. David covers the benefits too, as well. Again, one of those you're very familiar with. Psalms 119, 91 through 100. David says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For your testimonies, are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. Because he followed the commandments of God, he followed the precepts, the testimonies, and he meditated. He internalized what he actually read. He just, you know, just quickly reading it, go, oh, well, it, it says it. Don't worry about it. He meditated. Why would he say that? What's going on? He sat down and meditated. And he found great benefits, as he said. He, he, was, he, he understood more than the ancients, as he said. He says he's wiser than his enemies. And he knew more than his teachers. We know that Paul told Timothy, when he talks about the Holy Scriptures, the Bible, when he talks about that, in, to, he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, he says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness, a righteous way of living, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Basically, makes man's life here work. And even abolishes or encourages Timothy also in an earlier verse in 2 Timothy 2.15. He says, 
and this is my King James. I just like the King James the way it says it. It says, study to show thy, thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of God. So God, just to kind of get into this, God gives us this book. We're to study it, like David said. We utilize what we've learned. We meditate. We apply it. It is to make our work, our life work. I'm going to give you an example. If you see the pole, the, the, this is bulging a little. I brought a prop, just like Ian does. It's a tape measure. You probably can't see it, but hey, nevertheless. I was telling somebody here about it. It's a work tape measure. They gave it to me. Don't think I stuck, took it. Okay, first let's take that out right now. When I was leaving, they just said, we have hundreds of them. Just take it. and We'd have to recalibrate it anyway. And that relates to the story. This had to be calibrated in a certain way. I used to work at a manufacturing place that actually produced, I was a temp, well, it got hired. But I worked in a manufacturing place that produced, uh, I was asking Steve or somebody about what were these objects, I'm not sure how, the, the technical name. But they were filters, I called them filters, because that's what it looks like. If you took an oil filter, cut it in half, and saw all those little doodads in it, all the, that's all it is. But they put these in the big oil towers. Well, we built them. If you didn't, if you ever look in there, we actually build those individually, and they go to the they go to the field and they weld them together, they tack weld them together so they're a solid unit. The reason this is a big deal is because if if for whatever reason it's off by I forgot the how perfect it had to be, but it had to be real close because these towers, which were huge. Some were 18 feet. I got the fun of going outside and building all this stuff. I had fun. The other people had work. <laughs> I didn't think it was working, but when they would inspect it, they had to make sure it's exactly the same round, or it would either would be too small and wouldn't work, or it would be too big. And when the when they try to weld it and then put it into the big towers, it doesn't fit. And I remember a time when we actually had a problem. And luckily, I wasn't the main guy who did that one. <coughs> They had a $5 million mistake. A tower collapsed. I don't know how it did. I don't know if one was too small, one was too big, or whatever, but it collapsed. Not the tower itself, but the in interior. And, this, and the company had to pay the five-plus million dollars. We got a meeting, and we were told we aren't getting our bonuses, the management ain't getting the bonuses, and we're doing this for free. And it, I analogize this because this is very similar to what life is. You know, some areas we do great. Maybe. Let's say, for example, God says, thou shalt not lie. Let's say it's, it's almost to a fault that you will not lie. I won't lie, but you, may, you have a fault somewhere else. Your life doesn't work right because it doesn't fit the mold that you're supposed to fit because it, all of a sudden you got something too short or whatever and you got a problem. And the law, the, the Bible, tells us how we should live life in a good way. I say Bible, I should quit saying law. The whole Bible tells us how we should live if we apply it and make it work. And when we don't do part of it right, it's like that unit I was telling about. If one side is too big and you try to make it work, it'll either collapse like it did on that. And that was embarrassing when they called us an office. I knew something was bad happening. <laughs> Albert was never nice when he stopped, called us an office. Or it just doesn't fit because it's gone too far. Because we know from the Bible that we have, that the law may make our life work. I mean, it does make our life work, I should say, positive. But we've all fell short. And this is the problem. As Romans said, and Romans, and he doesn't have to go to this one. This is a reference scripture because we all know this one. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Now, like I told you an analogy one time when I was telling you, somebody said, I've never sinned. 
you know, we all fell short. Paul would disagree that a heartbeat. He would go, uh, excuse me? We all fell short and messed up. Because sin is the transgression of law, as it says in 1 John 3, 4. It separates us from God. So we could try to live the perfect life. It's great. We can try to do our part, and unfortunately, we just don't cut it because we have so many things go on, and we, it's part of maturity. We're growing up. As it says in Isaiah, again, a reference, it says, your iniquities have separated you from your, your God. And, it, and if you're writing down notes, it's Isaiah 59, 2. This goes to the, to the part where Christ comes in. As my notes say, how does our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ help us achieve this maturity? Okay, so our part is to do our best we can, try to obey what we learn as our yardstick, the Bible. We try to follow it as best we can to our understanding, which is not good enough because, unfortunately, we mess up. So here's what Christ, here's what Christ does for us. First, there's no real points. It's just the first one that comes up. First, Jesus Christ is our, I didn't correct that, is our mediator between God and man, or he's our mediator. 1 Timothy 2, verses 5 through 6. For there is one God, one mediator between God and man, or men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, and it goes on. But he is our mediator as we're going to find out in the holy days coming up. And I can't believe how fast they're coming to ground, too. It's less than three weeks away, of all things. Wow. Time goes fast when you get older. It really does. But the scripture says he gave himself as a ransom. So there you go. He's helping us right there. He's our mediator. So when we mess up, he's there. He's the gut person. In fact, he goes even further than that. He's our high priest, of all things. In Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses, but, had, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin, didn't sin, and I knocked a lot of scriptures out there, but there's many places where he says he did not sin. And then he says, then Paul tells, as I assume the writer of the Hebrews was Paul, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in times of need. He's our high priest. Some of the roles of the high priest is a mediator. That is true. But like in the Old Testament prophets, they were also leaders of the people. You know, when you read about it in like Isaiah and others, it took a while to figure out that he was, when he talks about high priests, he's also talking about leaders. He's the leader of the people. He's usually the spiritual leader or example as well. As you read the laws, like he was supposed to marry a certain type of women. He's supposed to live a certain life. He cannot marry, only have one wife as to live a clean life. And... Christ fulfills all that. Like it says, he said he, he, without sin. He didn't sin. So he's the perfect example we can follow. In Jesus' own words, and we're going to read this at Passover, in John 14, 6, it says, Jesus, Jesus said to, it says, I am the way, 
the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this is where I disagree with my dad. He kind of thinks that there are like multiple ways of getting to heaven or whatever he calls it. You know, we don't go into my dad's theology. I don't talk to him about it. He thinks everybody's going the same way. And I told him the scripture, and he said, well, that was written by men. I said, that's what Jesus Christ said. It's not <laughs> written men. That's what he said. He said, no one can come to the Father except through me. And he says, I am the way. I am the path. I am the way you must follow. He says he's the truth, and he is the life, salvation, that we will run into. He so Jesus has provided us a way of salvation by coming to earth, living as one of us, and like we read earlier, he, he came a ransom to cover our sins if we repent and follow him. And that's his purpose. And there's more, but that's just the basics. Again, in the next few weeks, we get to examine ourselves, and hopefully, you're going to do what I do. I'm going to go into the words of Jesus with, in this case, there's a certain series that has the word of Jesus, and I'm going to go right into them and see what, he, what you know, learn a little bit more and get deeper into it. As an, it's just a general story to end this, as a conclusion, so to speak. I want to go to Matthew 19, 16 through 23. In this, we see a man, a young, according to what I can read in the commentaries, it was a young man, possibly a rich man, as we'll see at the end, who approaches Jesus Christ. Okay, he comes up, because, you know, because he is open to everybody to come up. And he says, he, okay, so one came up to him and said, Good master, what good thing should I do that I may have eternal life? This is a question actually many religions ask. Many people ask, good question. You know, we're finite, unfortunately. We only live so long, whatever that length it is, whether it's 80, 60, whatever it is. It, we live that length. And, it, and actually, Joseph, he's a young man. He's pretty wise. He's going, hey, what can I do to achieve eternal life? And then Jesus said, first off, he said, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But... If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. So he, he backs up Solomon. He says, yes, if you want to enter or at least start the process, you'll keep the commandments. Okay, and the young man, I guess, decided in this, in this situation, says, which ones? And I know people would ask that, too, because they want to get rid of half of what's in here. And go, ah, that's unpleasant, that's unpleasant. So, you know, I can see his question. Maybe he's going, well, yeah, which ones now? And Jesus is answer was pretty simple. And we know he's referring to the Ten Commandments because he basically says this, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? You target it right to the Ten Commandments. Then the young man said, okay, okay, I, I can take that, I can get that impression from him. All these things I have kept from my youth, what do what do I what do I still lack? Let me read that. Let me read that all over. All these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? So he knew there was more to it. You know, reliving a great life is fine, but there's obviously more. We we fall short. You know that. It's just unfortunately. We, I mean, you can look the day to day like. 
I'll squeal on myself, just as an, just an example for you think anything. When I discovered four, I came here on a Friday, two weeks ago, trying to get to the church to clean. I hit, one four, hit 145, as anyone knows. If you're on, listening online, we're blocked by two streets. I got agitated instantly. I was like, what? <laughs> I was already tired after a long day of work, and I was just going to come in here. By the way, church was actually in great shape. I just needed to clean up a little bit. But still, it was like, ah. And I kept following. I got nervous and got agitated as I kept going down. It's like, and then when I got here, and then I kept on. It's like, it seemed like it was a long time. And I got agitated. It was just a natural response. After a long day of having to deal with work, now I got to deal with this. I didn't go to the 129. I had no idea 129 was down. I just kept going that way like a goofball. Should have just went to Garnett and went to Pine, but whatever. 2020 hindsight. But we all mess up, and it's not necessarily, sometimes it's us. Sometimes it's us. Sometimes it's just something we've inherited from our parents. Sometimes it's the environment. You know, if you get hay fever, you feel sick, you get a little testy. Or you're tired like I was when I drove to the church that weekend, uh, that Friday. You know, it just happens. So we know there's more to it than just keeping the commandments. So here's what Jesus' answer was. If you want to be perfect, go sell, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. Now, as a disclaimer, he was talking to this individual. I don't think he was actually asking us individually to sell everything we own. In fact, I don't think we'd be very effective if we did. But, because I mean, if I sold everything, how, was I, how would I work on YouTube and put stuff up? And how would I do all this? You know, I have to have stuff, do that. But I get what he's saying to the young man at the time. He's saying, go sell what you got. Okay, great. You, hey, you want, you're great. He seemed to like him. He said, go sell your stuff. You want to be perfect? Sell your stuff. Give to the poor and put your treasure in heaven. Now, that's something we can do. Put your heart and mind and treasure into the heaven, which can be another sermon all the way around. And the last part is come and follow me. And that's not just, oh, well, we'll walk. No, he, he means a lot more to that statement. He means if he said to do this, do it. If he has something he, like um, Passover, we wash feet. I've had people ask, why do you wash feet? Well, Jesus said, That's, what else does it say? He did it. There's a lesson in it, just do it. And the sad part is, the ending was really kind of sad. It says, but when the young man heard the, heard the sayings, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. That's where I got the idea that he probably was rich. If I had a lot of stuff, it was just hard for him to get rid of it. You say, why do I present all this? I say, why is all this important? But it's always important. Our lives are very important. It's because we're, in the next few weeks, we will be called to, or well, actually right now, as we head toward Passover. I'm, what am I saying next few weeks? Next few weeks we will. We've been called to examine our lives before the Passover. And this is found in, and again, it's a reference scripture for anyone who's just curious. It's 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 29, talking about her notes. And we are to examine ourselves, and part of this examination is to see how mature we've got over the year, over that one year we were here. And, and also to determine what steps we need to take to improve ourselves even more. You know, let's say, okay, we may have conquered this problem, but we see this one now rearing its head up. And now we've got to go, okay, we've got this imperfection coming up. We need to, and that's what we're here for. We're not perfect, but, it, but here's what we're called to do, our part. Our part, 
We can examine ourselves all through the year, even though we're called to do it before Passover, we can do it all through the year. We are to apply what we learn, the principles of the Bible. In summary, we're to apply the, apply the principles of the Bible in our lives, take it serious, do a lot of Bible study, prayer, all the stuff that's required, and allow Jesus Christ to work in us, in us that we would be able to achieve spiritual maturity. That is our goal in life, is to attempt to do that. It may take a lifetime. It may not even make it when we die. We might have to be after the resurrection, but nevertheless, we are, that's our goal. And th that's not the only goal, I know, but for, for my presentation today, that is the goal I'm shooting for, that we are to mature and become more like our Father. For one day, one day, we can be perfect, just like our Father in heaven, with the help with the help of our Bible studies and through Jesus Christ.